Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. And we don't care. Gabin, girl time. Gabin, girl time. Gabin, girl time. You knew. You fucking knew. What? (laughs) Some of our listeners will get it. She got it. I think she just laughed (laughs) because you made everything uncomfortable. (laughs) I think that was a nervous, uncomfortable... Stay out of my what womb land. The heck are you doing? Happy National Woman's Day. Woo! I was gonna roar okay. or sing, you know. I am woman, hear me roar. And numbers too big to ignore. Didn't we do that? We did last it last year. year. Yeah. We're redundant. But you can now. do it. No, you can no. do it this year. No, no, no need. No. Nobody cares. No, because you fucking knew. Nobody cared last year. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gave a shit. Okay, Gail, I was referring <laughs> to all that saga going on TikTok right now, which is it inundated your feed and my feed, and it's crazy. I have not and been on TikTok because it because is of that, so much yeah. more rewarding to go to their YouTube channel, <laughs> where someone so kindly will make me a little mini movie of the saga. I should drop their name here, mm. but I, d- I can't remember who that is because, you know. No, they don't. And no. so, yeah, 40 minutes. And then updates. They give you updates. So I have not watched the latest update, but wow. So on International Women's Day, mm-hmm. this particular woman and the... The drama that has come within. It's like it has half set the cast of Yellowstone is what it is. <laughs> it has set women back so many years. With their drama? Do you think that well, it was with, contrived? With, with Believe All Women. Does that make sense? Wait. So, so her the thing girls was, are turning on her now, apparently. Yes. The women are turning on her because she had said that she had lost her baby and it was a huge loss and she was and i think that you can be both but she was making it sound like it was a miscarriage when it was really an abortion and i've got problems oh. with that i've got problems with that now i if, think honestly if she had actually is her spin that she regrets now that she made that choice and i am i you know, I mean, because you watch that one could video and you just take feeling and something that people definitely go through. I think that there are people who maybe that was their one opportunity to have a child and they went, oh, that, you know, I'm not. Yeah. That doesn't mean people should not have the right to make that choice themselves. But have you not ever made a choice and then regretted making that choice later. So surely every day, but it would depend on the spin. If she spun it like a miscarriage, but she actually had an abortion. That's just as bad as what they were 
have accused that person of as far as um, the what non-disclosure what is it called my oh, brain the, isn't working then for when like not uninformed, uninformed consent. consent yeah thank yeah. you yeah my, I'm sorry I yeah. couldn't grasp the phrase but yeah for um, the same uninformed consent I mean yeah, you're lying. You're lying. You're still lying. We can call whatever <laughs> name or phrase we want, but you're lying and misrepresenting yourself and your experience. And right therein, narrowing it down, that's the issue. Is this Young and the Restless drama a distraction from the Ukraine and Russia and the war that's going on there? If we make it that way, do you know how many people have no idea who we're talking about because their TikTok feed doesn't feed them that? <laughs> You know, it's what the I content would bet that, that we I like bet that everybody's absorb. TikTok feed has been fed that. I'd be willing to bet. Maybe because of, um, maybe. Doesn't matter. Because, yeah, they got to definitely try to knock women down a peg or two. So on International Women's Day, we have as our guest one of my favorite women. That I Yay! just, we met a few years ago when she started photographing for our burlesque troupe and I fell in love with her ever since and she's done several of my photo shit shoots my photo shits photo shoots including our Gabin girl time yes photo shoot our very first we probably should schedule and have another photo we probably shoot should I want a death becomes her photo shoot and I know that I know that you can achieve that mm. Mm. so please welcome do you just want to be called Taryn? Taryn Farrow? Taryn Farrow, yeah. Taryn Farrow of, of All Snap <laughs> Photography. Yeah. At All Snap Media now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, okay. how many hustles you got? <laughs> you don't want to know. No, I do want to know. Everybody wants to know. Yeah, we yeah. want to, because you do a lot, but I think that it's interesting how it's very circular. Mm. Everything that you do interchanges with the other thing. It's very, you know. Somewhat. I do have kind of two separate entities. Like, I'm very involved in the beer community uh, through Pretentious and the Brewing and Distilling Center. And then through the Brewing and Distilling Center, I'm now helping out with WTKs, Knox on Tap, and then also the Food Truck Park. Um, I do their photography. Um, And then, like... So I do all that in that aspect. But then on the other side, I'm now on the board at Knox Pride and I'm helping with their marketing. And um, I highlight at South Press and I work for a lot of small <laughs> businesses. Do you do, do you do their social media? Is that who's social media? Um, well, are, are you doing South Presses? I am not. That's all Jocelyn. Okay. I've taken a couple of photos that she's used. But I Shout can't. out to Jocelyn, mm-hmm. owner of South Press, who have been trying to get on the show. <laughs> yes. Jocelyn, come on. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Non-sponsored. Yeah. Non-sponsored. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I the only businesses I actually run completely social media of is um, Molly Joe Events, who I also am her photographer. And then I do the Brewing and Distilling Center uh, pretentious and um, well I mean that's really the only ones I officially run yeah and then I'm helping run prides like it's a collaborative 
thing right now. And yeah, I was so proud um, of you getting on the board this year. Yeah. Um, I've been involved with pride for many, many years. I just, um, the time commitment for the pride board is always a little scary. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, that's why I'm not on the board. Right. Yeah. So hopefully, (laughs) but I think John's, you know, trying to create Mm -hmm. that like work life boundary with volunteer work, you know, because that's the thing is, um, we're trying to do something different that's been done before. So that's why I finally applied. Um, yeah. And people don't understand that it is a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who work there are volunteers. Yeah. You don't necessarily get compensated mm-hmm. for what you do there. I just find it amazing that people will come in there and like what you don't, you don't get paid. You know, mm-hmm. I want to help out. How much do I get paid? Well, that's not really helping. Is yeah, that's it? a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah You've I just mean, asked yeah. for employment. Of course, the goals are to, you know, have it as a paid board eventually. Cause yes. A lot of prides around the country are that way. But mm-hmm. Knox Pride has solely acted on donations and fundraising. And, and they're doing a hell of a job. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. They've actually, I think that it's a cool opportunity because, you know, I'm able to do events and give back to the community. I think that's what's cool about the pride center. And honestly, I think sometimes you can do more with donations. It's, you know, not always, but sometimes, but you do have to have a budget that sucks. Yeah. Uh, I do know the pride center. like one thing that we're trying to work on and work towards is allowing people to know that the space is for everybody. Yeah, It's not just for Knox pride. It's, we want people to come have events there. Like you're doing your comedy shows there and, Braddy does the cathartic karaoke. Which I have to say, when you took it over and you did the social media on it, I mean, I had six new people come. Awesome. Just in the yeah. third month of us doing it. Well, the big People thing, that I didn't know. So that's great. Yeah. The big thing for me is that um, <clears throat> as much as I love Pride and everything they've done, they've always kept it kind of hush-hush, like who's on the board, what they're doing, like their lives. And like, that's just not where our world is anymore. And especially in the queer community, because there's been so much going on in the past few years like so many organizations like scamming money so many people Mm -hmm. doing this and that like you really have to like you have to work from the ground up when you're in an organization like that and build trust with people and put in the FaceTime and so my goal is to take Knox Pride to a personal level because like you know I've done photography for them for years but you don't see those images on there as much of, of the people who are actually there mm-hmm. we end up using a lot of you know other images and stuff and so you know and like to see your face versus just like a flyer or an event on facebook that's like come to karaoke but they want to see the people who they're entrusting because being queer and moving in any space is stressful and so mm-hmm. when you can put a, a, a face to the person mm-hmm. and you can see that oh well that's Braddy Von Beeven. I, that's yeah. I know her. I know her. I've oh my seen gosh. her take her clothes off. Yeah. You know? Real yeah. Big bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I hate her. But, you know, it just creates this whole, like, safety net. And community. That you didn't have before because, you know, you move in spaces. Um, I don't want to call them out, but, you know, I, there are certain people I know who. We can cut anything out. Right. Don't worry well, about yeah, it. we're not. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, you don't. <laughs> don't sorry. don't censor yourself. Yeah, you don't have to censor, but we will censor. Like they want to go do these events and stuff, but they're queer, and you know, like trans, lesbian, gay, um, non-binary, all of that stuff. Like all realms, they like 
they get into, they get up to the space, but they don't know people in the space and, and they don't know the space. And so they get scared and they don't do it. Um, which is part of like, I listened to a lot of people's stories. Um, like I, I get, I don't know, stopped a lot and talked to, <laughs> um, <laughs> Steph loves it by the way. Um, <laughs> Uh, her favorites when and we're Steph on Steph is your fiance. My fiance. Yeah! Like Beyonce, but fiance. Congratulations, yeah. by the you. way. I hope to yeah. make your wedding cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not going to be very good, though, because it's going to have to be gluten-free. No. <laughs> Poor Steph. I know, right? <laughs> I'll make two. Yeah. How about that? Sweet. Yeah, because you'll need two. Yeah, you, that's true. Yeah. yeah, you'll have to have two. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know what I have done in my life. I, it's a good and a curse kind of thing. Cause like anywhere I go, people tend to like, just tell me things like very personal mm-hmm. things or like confide in me. And like, it's great because I can like, you know, use that to like help change things. But at the same time, it can be very exhausting when I don't have the emotional capacity for mm-hmm. it myself. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. And a lot of times, like it's hard to convey that to somebody who's hurting and they're like talking to you, but um, there have been several times where Steph's like, Hey, we're on a date. And they're just like, Oh, let me just finish. And Steph's like, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm trying to like, I'm actually one thing I'm working so you, on are boundaries. I was about to say <laughs> you're working on your boundaries, on boundaries. and being be, being cordial to people Yeah, going, I would love to talk to you about this right now but I just can't I've got mm. another obligation that I need to take care of but please text me yeah you know so. uh, one thing for me is um, I try to put up boundaries and <laughs> they just kind of get shoved down so I'm really trying hard to like stick to my guns why do you think <laughs> that is Um, are uh, you a people pleaser Taryn oh yeah unfortunately now that's on national broadcasted <laughs> radio worldwide gathering yes. all the time where everybody yes all millions of our listeners yeah. <laughs> I am a, I am a people millions. pleaser who hates people like that's where I'm at in life um <laughs> I, I because I've gotten to a point where I, I part it's it's not just me wanting to please people it's just part of who I am and like I tried to deny that of myself for a couple of years and like I felt like I was completely missing something like a chunk of me was gone but I do have this like it's part of me to want to help people and build community and like be a voice for people who, you know, cause I've also, I know what that's like to not have a voice. And so like part of me has gone through this weird thing where I took myself out of the community for a couple of years and, um, you know, am realizing that I was lacking who I was because I wasn't as involved. And so like coming back into it, it's really scary though at the same time, because it's like, hey, a lot of stuff happened and there's a lot of trauma there and there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that need to change. And so now that I'm moving back through queer spaces, you know, I just am working really hard on raising awareness about mental health because part of the reason I, you know, stepped away is because I had a, a bit of a breakdown because people um, are hurting and they're sad and they don't have family and they don't have friends and they, they need this and they need that. And um. Did when you feel like you had to do it all yourself? Like you had to save yeah, these people? Yeah, I mean, people? It, it does feel that way a lot of times. I mean, even with the Pride Board now, it's like this morning I woke up to a bunch of messages and I, it's really hard to like read all of that because it's like if you would have just waited, 
three more hours, you would have seen the next video where we discuss this mm-hmm. and like get give us the chance to fuck up before you're accusing us of fucking up, you know. But I also understand there's like a pass there, you know. Yeah. So, but that's hard for me because that's like my like my issue is that like nobody ever actually gives me a chance to fuck up before they're just like, oh, and I'm like, okay, can you just like let me make a mistake before I'm treated like, you know, I, I, I've failed you. And I think that that's um, part of the reason why like I'm fighting for mental health so much because we, I think a lot of times we look at certain people like I hear people talk about my life and I'm just like, you don't know me at all. Right. Like you, mm-hmm. you see me doing all these things. Right. But like, mentally <laughs> i'm at home crying on my couch yeah you i'm know, your friend and, and the, right the, i see just the face value right here right but you said i don't i don't go into your house at night when you're at home yeah. and you're right. decompressing and there you're, is so much deception yeah. and perception right well and that that's the thing for me is like you know i i, I had this awkward conversation the other day because i was like hey um i know you said you were like drinking alone the other night like I know everybody thinks that like I'm just out being social all the time but actually it's all work and Mm -hmm. so like if you ever want a friend and then I was like I just had to literally say hey I want a friend let's drink together and (laughs) not alone but like people build this perception up of me where it's like I can't possibly have mental health issues I can't possibly struggle with all the things I struggle with and because I've yeah I think a lot of people do that to other people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I know it's been done to us. Um, one person that really sticks out in my head, and she's been a guest, and I absolutely love her to death, is Siren Santina. Mm-hmm. Siren does everything, and she just got the face of everything's going great. Right. Yeah, her game face is 100% yeah. because oh, yeah. she looks unshakable but none of us really know what you know what's going what on behind the scenes yeah, right. what about yeah. you and but i think we talk in like, the same time yeah. when well, <laughs> I've, I've talked to siren and 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 her and i have a lot of similar issues and like the pandemic kind of forced us to slow down and i started to really take stock of my life like am mm-hmm. i actually fulfilled as a person or have i just been going and going and going and going for so long that i haven't had time to even think about myself and that I fill all my time with taking care of others and I never take care of myself. But then when I do try to take care of myself, I'm a terrible person for that. And uh, so that's who where says the, that? Who, Are you yeah. telling yourself that? <laughs> no, no. I actually... Um, the takers in your life? The yeah, people who yeah, are so, so used to getting yeah, from you? Yeah, making you so, feel guilty so, over... Yeah, I'm going through when they ha- when, the motions of that because like every few years it's like I take stock of my life and I'm like, oh, I got to change this. And then, like, the whole life I've built crumbles because I look around and it's like, oh, none of you are here for the actual, you know, or there are some. Don't get me wrong. Like, I do no, have some amazing people in my life. But it's red it, hen. Yeah. And I'm kind of going through a similar situation now with my past job that I don't really talk about. Um, there were a lot of things that happened and I didn't want to leave my job, but I felt like I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And in like in order to maintain my sanity, you know. And that's hard for me because I have to pretend like I just decided that I was going to leave my job. And so that's the mask that I've had to wear this year so far. And it's hard because, like, there are certain things, especially we're talking about International Women's Day. Like, as women, we're stifled a lot. Like, things happen to us and we can't talk about it because if we talk about it, 
we become the crazy women, yeah, right? We're mm-hmm. so emotional. And so we have to take the high road in these situations where we're drugged through the dirt by a chain on the back of a John Deere tractor, you know, through a damn field. But then we have to get up and say, you know what? It's fine because we're going to walk away stronger from this. But like there's still all that pain and healing that has to happen. We're always expected to extend more grace yeah. and mercy than we ever receive. It's very interesting. That's why we're the superior sex. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, well, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Literally, you know. I say. <laughs> what do men do when they have mental breakdowns? They go to war. Or they shoot themselves, which is another uh, thing. I guess I can't say that word. They unalive themselves in very different manners. Yeah. You know, their their unalive rate is way higher than females because they obviously can't handle being drug up a damn hill by a tractor train, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So they don't just brush it off. So where did you get your start? Where are you from? (laughs) Uh, How about happy things? So, oh, well, <laughs> um, so, um, I was born in Buffalo, New York. I moved to East Texas when I was six months old. Uh, my grandfather worked for GM, um, and they had a plant in Buffalo and he came down to Shreveport, Louisiana to open the one there. And we lived right on state line road in East Texas. So I'm from East Texas, Louisiana. Um, but my parents divorced when I was young. And when I got older, I was like, I'm going to live with my dad. And so I went over to Louisiana, and so that's where I moved here from. Did you have to move here because of a hurricane, or oh, did no. you just come up here? I moved here with my ex. Yeah. My ex's family was from here and had all moved back up here. Um, they had been in Louisiana for several years, um, but she wanted to be with her family, and we'd been together for like five years, so it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Just, you know. And then we broke up. (laughs) (laughs) How did your love for photography come in to that? Oh, man. Um, That dates way back to to childhood. Um, Is that your passion? Yeah. Um, I have a friend that I went to Girl Scout camp with. And, like, she loves to tell the story of, like, when we were seven or eight years old, I threw a camera at her at Girl Scout camp. So I don't know why. (laughs) She doesn't remember why. She just vividly remembers me throwing a camera at her. So, um, but I used to like pose my brothers and like use disposable cameras. I always wanted to be a photographer growing up, but I was always told I couldn't. So by your parents or just uh, other people around you? Parents, society, you know, it's not a very successful field. Yep. Um, this year alone, (laughs) we're going to lose, um, like the statistics say 3000 more photographers will go out of business, um, because it's become so mainstream with, you have this high power oh that's what we gosh. that's what we asked uh mallory last week is how has just in the past 10 years oh how has it affected your business with people just being able to take their own pictures with the technology that they have you know for a while there it affected me pretty badly but then something happened where people started to actually realize that like no matter how hard they try they can't do what i do mm-hmm. and um, for me, especially like when I was in college back in 06, 09, you know, we were still learning on film. My first digital camera back then was three megapixels. And so like, um, yeah, like I, I think about that all the time. Cause I'm like in the last 10 years, like it's completely transformed. Well, I'm so old that remember the Polaroid cameras that you put the little flash in and the bulbs, you had like four yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. That's what we took our dirty pictures on was Polaroid. <laughs> 
Yeah, you were lucky that you had a pervert working in the Instacamera booth when you went and developed them. <laughs> we had to go. To, we to had to go to another in. suburb you in order to, get to do in that. Trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would turn them in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They knew yeah. where the perv was. <laughs> In the in the photo booth, <laughs> remember the photo booth? Yes, I did the little itty bitty buildings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up with those too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like the, the. I I'm like I'll be 35 this month, and I know I'm a millennial, but it's weird because I grew up in a very small town, and like I hear people talk about things, and I'm like, I grew up that way too. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, we didn't have cable and computers and cell phones. And, you were in Louisiana. Yeah, well, East um, Texas, or, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Depending on where you were, it's crazy. Like, yeah. the disparity, my um, uh, kids are almost 30, so, but mm-hmm. the difference, even from them moving, depending on where you are, when they moved here to Sevier County, even, you know, yeah. in the 2000s, they had, like, one computer in the library for the whole entire school. Yeah, I went to a very, very, very small school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the same class with the same 30 kids my whole school career until I went over to Louisiana. Um, but like I was always the odd kid out cause I was different. Um, so I don't know. I read a lot. How are you different? Cause <laughs> she's gay. Well, I didn't know that then. Oh, Ooh, let's talk um, about that. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. That's a story. Um, so I grew up in a very, very small Southern town where if you weren't Baptist, you were bullied. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I was raised Methodist. <laughs> so, I started going over to the Baptist church. Um, I've been watching a lot of Righteous Gemstones, so my Southern accent oh my is gosh. apparently really coming out right now. Um, so, I started going to, you know, Baptist church. Um, I always listened to different music. Like, that was one thing I'm thankful for. My parents always cultured me around music. So, I, I grew up with a, a sense of knowledge of music and different varieties and I don't know. So I was in high school and in youth leadership and I was on track to be a youth minister. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) So all these things like it it was it was kind of like the slow roll. Like, you know, I was told that like I wasn't godly enough because I listened to certain music and I dressed like a emo punk kid because I was and I went to underground shows and all my friends were in bands like my high school friends were in an emo band called Glitter Black. Yeah. So, you know, old nine yards. (laughs) So, you know, so total punk rock, emo, religious kid made no sense. Um, So, but what was your, were you just kind of finding your sexuality? Well, yeah. So, um, you know, I think a lot of that was, um, I, I think this plays into both things you want me to talk about. So like, because I am, I identify as demisexual. Um, I always, forced myself to like boys because I, I didn't really like anybody. And so I would like find reasons to like them. And then I would like crush on these, these boys. Um, and so <laughs> I, you know, I never really thought about that. Um, but anyways, I ended up dating, like I ended up leaving the church cause they were like, you can't be religious. And I was going through some really crappy times with like my step, I had an evil stepmother. And, uh, so like I got taken away all my roles because I told her I hated her one day in front of my youth minister. Uh, well, uh, that'll do it. Right yeah, there. Well, yeah. She was the devil. Literally. Isn't it um, how funny it is that church is supposed to be this sanctuary for people to go and, 
It should be it, a hospital and for it your soul. is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there was a lot of things that happened with my stepmom that like caused me to say that. And it was mm-hmm. like, it shouldn't have been legal. The things that occurred. Like I used mm-hmm. to live at my high school boyfriend's house on the weekends mm-hmm. because my stepmom and I were court ordered to not be in the same space. I was a child. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I think about those things, but yeah. anyways, I told her I hated her one day. My youth minister was like, you can't do any of this. And I was like, screw the church, you know, whatever my whole mm-hmm. life, you know, I had built around like being, religious and missions and like all of those things and then I met my high school sweetheart Zach god love him uh he's my best friend um and uh you know we got in a lot of tomfoolery and like I did love him and so I thought that was what I was supposed to do so Mm -hmm. I married him and then uh I'm learning all sorts of stuff today (laughs) yeah so um but then in 2000 and Nine, two thousand and nine. Um, I was working at PetSmart, and this girl comes in, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. And uh, we just started hanging out and talking a lot. And then, like, one day, somebody said something to me, and they were like, "Why do you act like she's your girlfriend?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, I want her to be my girlfriend." And then I was like. Oh my God. <laughs> I want her to be my so, girlfriend. Right. And so the first thing I actually did was talk to my husband because I was like, I'm very confused right now. Um, and he was like, yeah, I already knew that you were like in love with this girl, but I didn't know what to do with it either. And so I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to blow your mind in a second. So um, one thing that happened with my ex-husband and I is that he wanted to join the military and I grew up with military people and I did not want to live that life. And when I was in high school, 9-11 happened, and then a bunch of people I went to school with went off to war. My ex-husband wanted to do that. And I was like, I love you, but I'm too young for this, and I want to go off to college, and, like, I don't want to be an army wife, Mm -hmm. you know. So he stayed for me, um, which changed Mm -hmm. the course of my whole, you know, uh, life there. But... So it became an argument, argument, argument. And so when I met the girl, and I was like, I'm in love with this girl... And then he was like, I really want to join the army. And like, it was just this concert. So I was like, go. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I can't, you can't mm-hmm. resent me forever for this. So you have to go. Right. And uh, so he went and while he was gone and basic, he gave me permission to date the girl to see what I wanted to do. Um, How long were you married? Seven years. No, not married. Seven years. We were together. Oh, yeah. Seven okay. years married. Um, two years. Okay. Yeah. So, but while he was at basic, um, my dad got sick and died. And so, like, I didn't really understand what was happening. So I was kind of in a polyamorous relationship for a while. None of us mm-hmm. were all together, but yeah. I was with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was I was to this point where I was like, I really don't want to, like, I don't want to leave my husband because I didn't believe in divorce. And, but I also didn't want to, like, be with my husband physically Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'm very much so into and women. It's, it's not fair to your husband no, either no, no, for no, him no. to seek right. out the love that he is deserving of. Right. For sure. And like, I wish him all the best. He's yeah. married with kids now. That's and awesome. You know, yeah. like it, obviously we were kids and it was a traumatic mm-hmm. divorce and breakup and mm-hmm. everything. But, you know, it is what it is. And you're friends now to this? Uh, I wouldn't say we're friends. Um <laughs> I just, um, 
our dog passed away a few years ago and I let him know and we ended up touching base. Okay. So, um, you know. She doesn't was, want any ill will to happen to this yeah, person. I never wish no. ill will. And you guys on, could reach out yeah. and still be friends and get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no one's threatened by each other's existence. Right. And people evolve. Feelings. You know. Yeah. yeah. You just evolved. I never ever. I've never been able to be the person that no matter how much somebody does to me, I, I still can't imagine like wishing the worst upon them. I'm yeah. just like, you know, I hope that you understand what you've done one day, but I also don't want you to starve to death on the side of the road. You know, no. I love that. It's taken me a long time to get to that point because mm-hmm. I am the person that will go, yeah. well, I'm going to do everything I, I in my power that a little to destroy bit, you. <laughs> Not, I mean, I'm the part that like, I let karma take yes. it. Yeah. Just take I hope you that. have the day you deserve. Yeah, but right. I'm not going to I'm not going to help you out. Yeah. I think anymore. for me I envy that a slight bit because I would like to be slightly more, you know, like uh you hurt me. I want to like uh but you know, I just I'll teach you classes. <laughs> There's so many things. I mean, not that we're doing a psychology session but I'm like oh my gosh I totally could have been your youth leader I was living your your you one of your not leader but one of the I called it youth servant but one of the people who worked with the in youth oh yeah well parallel at the same time but in Florida instead of Mm -hmm. on the opposite side we just would have went down I-10 and saw each other or whatever we could have been at the same (laughs) we could have been at the same like uh, uh, newsboys <laughs> concerts or uh, yeah. you know Atlanta Jam, yeah. It's kind of well. No, we we weren't Baptists, so but still, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's kind of crazy to me to think back on all of that and like, I don't know. I I talk about it a lot because I do believe it's part of the reason why I never. I always knew I was different. I just couldn't understand why until mm-hmm. I actually fell in love with a woman mm-hmm. um, because there were no, there was no representation back then, especially, you know, for women, um, except for Rosie it O'Donnell, was, but. it was just extreme, you know, it, it was basically people didn't think of lesbians except for dyke uh, looking well, I, lesbians. That was the, the thing. Like my dad Butch. was in recovery. And so I was exposed to a lot of different people through AA and um, my, one of my dad's best friends was a gay man and I knew men could be gay, mm-hmm. but like, this is how Southern small town I was. I had mm-hmm. no idea that women could be gay. And like, I remember the, there was a moment in my life where I felt so ignorant, like, because somebody told me something about their religion or something. And I felt so ignorant in that moment that I never wanted to feel that way again. And so like, I researched things, you know, because and and I wish more people would actually dive into that when they feel that way. Mm-hmm. But instead, a lot of people, instead of like learning and growing and like becoming more adept in their, you know, different cultures, they just, they get angry and defensive because they feel like, oh, you're different. So I have to defend my life to yes. you. And it's like, actually, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> correct. <laughs> I am thankful that I had that moment when I was a teenager where it was like, I never want to be that person again like I never want to talk to somebody and like make them feel less than because I don't understand their background or their culture so that gives me hope for our future actually you do I get I mean I get where you're coming from like a lot not because um I have unexplored sexuality but the emotion that I like people although they disappoint me regularly Mm -hmm. you know 
but uh, I'm allergic to dogs. That might be why. <laughs> you know, if I could have. Are you really allergic to dogs? I really am. It sucks. Hmm. Yeah, so, it's, hmm. I just don't care. And the for more dogs. I'm away from pets in general, I have issues with other animals as well, where mm. it starts to trigger things. Which this is why sucks. you never come to my house. I always pretty come much. Here. I know it is sad. It you, sucks. You exude. I'm a cat person mentality. My so I'm BFF. very glad that you like me. I have like a few of you in my life, and I'm like I can see that you're cat people, but I am a total dog. Yeah, and like I, literally and, me myself, I'm a dog. And, I'm like hey 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 yeah. hey hey hey. And I get it. It's not that I just dislike dogs entirely, but I was bit by a dog when I was little, and that mm. changed everything. The movie Cujo freaked me the hell out. Yeah. You know, being made to watch that just. Yeah, there was one dog that I loved my entire life. Her name was Honey. She was a German Shepherd. Uh, I have we had her when we were little, and I absolutely loved that dog. There would be no other, no other. My husband wants a dog. No. <laughs> yeah, but no. she'll have three, four cats. I do have three cats. I love cats as well, um, and had cats. I had to get rid of them. <laughs> I gave my cat to my BFF in Florida at the time because when RJ was born, she tried to kill him. Oh my oh, god! And so I've heard of that? Yeah, Take it well, we were taught that in Lady in the Tramp. He um and that of, movie with uh yeah. Drew Barrymore. Well, he yeah. <laughs> what movie? Uh, Cat's Eye. Oh, where I they were talking about, about that the, the cat, you know, would yeah. sit on top and take yeah. your breath, but uh -huh. it was really the little gremlin that was mm -hmm. doing the all troll. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, Persephone um, loved Sarah, <clears throat> like she would lay on my tummy and all that. Um, RJ, she did not. I should not probably say my kids' names all the time on there, but <laughs> they are. They know. They know at any given time you're. Yeah, I know. It's sad that I would say. You're bragging on him. Well, I'm just saying how my cat didn't like. But I think it's because RJ had cerebral palsy. Uh, and it, you know, was not the healthiest yeah, baby. The, so the she was going to do me a favor. Yeah. And uh, get rid of the weaker link. And I was like, no, no, no. Sorry, yeah. baby. Um, yeah. you're, you're the one that's out and so uh she went feral completely feral she was like what you know had a she's huge she became super huge but anyway it was crazy but yeah i'm like i will never love another animal like that again and now i'm the bird lady of Briarcliff, feeding birds regular and chasing squirrels that works for you it and it's it's totally on well, brand all of my too. friends are dog I, I love animals. I will take enough Benadryl to hang out. It's just I don't enjoy, yeah. you know, medicating in that manner to be able to breathe. Yeah. And I think if I really dig, <clears throat> dig deep down in it, I am very, very susceptible to smells. And mm -hmm. I cannot stand the what? smell of dog. Yeah, maybe so. you just have cats. I know, I know. It's, it's the, the weirdest thing. I, know. I can't I stand smells either. The cats. I smell, <laughs> I smell my cats all the time, and I'm like, "You smell pretty okay." And I'm, I'm very, very like, but I am constantly, yes. nope, constantly, twice a day. There's See, that's just torture. There's for me, deodorants. In my 
in there. She's, when you walk in my house, it should every not Every time she goes to the like bathroom, cats. she scoops her cat's litter box just in case. Like, oh, yeah, if I had to go and wipe, I guess, here, we'll pick this up. Which is actually probably a great habit to be in if you can't afford one and of those And honestly, I'm not the ones. kind of person that wants to get up at 4.30 in the morning to, for my dog to go out to the bathroom. My dog would never wake me up at 4.30 in the morning. Or the yeah. You train yeah. them to do that like yeah. children. You can I You can know. train your kids I, to sleep yeah. until it's 9. Happening though, <laughs> unless I can have a German Shepherd and we've got a huge ass yard and I can name her Honey. I'm a, so I'm a proud anymore. empty nester and I let all mine outside <laughs> be free, be free, little be free. birdies. <laughs> tweet tweet. The end. Yeah. So, how did you meet your fiance, Steph? Yeah, it's just the love of your life. I've met Steph and I absolutely love her. Abs- oh, yeah. so um. Huh. Uh, 2020, as was for everybody, was a crazy year. Um, my ex and I split up in early 2020, but we're still living together. Um, and the pandemic happened. Um, and then our house caught on fire. And um, there was all this like <laughs> craziness going on. And I was thought that my ex and I could work it out, you know. And then the fire happened and it was kind of like, it was nobody's fault. It was just a fluke thing. But our interaction afterwards, I was like, I have to move on. Mm-hmm. And so my st- stupid ass was like, I'm going to download Tinder. <laughs> um, because I was like, you know, I, w- I really didn't want to date anybody because like everything was still so fresh, you know, mm-hmm. and I was still living with my ex, you know, and trying to figure out the pandemic and everything. And so I got on Tinder to like, have that single mindset you know just to like mm-hmm. what's out there let me and ask like, you this do you feel like you were have you ever been single for a long period of time or did you from when you got married did you just kind of uh, hop is such a um, vulgar yeah, word but did you you're saying did you um, just like did you come out of relationship just to go into another never one been single for more than a year okay. um which was part of the reason so my ex that I was with, I we met and I fought. I really didn't want to be in a relationship because I really wanted to be single for the, like the first time in my life. Um, because when I, you know, Zach and then I was in a seven year relationship with my first girlfriend um, mm-hmm. and it was very uh, bad. <laughs> um, a lot of emotional trauma, just abuse, like it just real bad. Um, and then I relationship jumped to the first person who was nice to me, who we're still really good friends. I love her to death. Um, she was a lifeline for me after that, but like did not need to be in a relationship, had way too much baggage. Um, so we split up and then I was like, for the first time I moved into my own apartment mm-hmm. and I was like really single. And then I met my ex. So I've only had stuff as my my fifth relationship ever. Yeah. I'm Um, adding it up in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my ex that I met, like we met and we were, you know, just talking and I was like trying to be like a casual dater, which this is how I found out I was demisexual Mm because I was talking about that and how I couldn't have one night stands. And it was really stressful for me to date people because they had all these expectations of like, like I had this one girl, she was super fun and we talked. And then the second time we hung out, she was like, do you not like me? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, we haven't slept together. I was like, this is the second time we've met. 
Like, what do you yeah. mean? Because, like, my brain just doesn't work that way. I don't. Was she younger? No. Was she a lot younger? No. I mean, I'm finding that out with my daughters and dating. Like, that's, that. I mean, no, it, it, sex is the new uh, <laughs> temperature. You right. know what I mean? Like, the temperature of the relationship. Yeah. If you're I, not fucking in the first, you know, hour of meeting, it means I don't like that person. I, I, just, I, yeah, so dating was very hard for me yeah. because I, I didn't understand... Um, I went on another date with a girl and she asked me if she could kiss me and I didn't know what to say. Cause I, my Southern ass was like, will you ask me questions? I must be polite and oblige. <laughs> but then I started crying cause I was like, I did not want that, you know? And so I had to really deep dive into like what was going on there. Um, so yeah, so I met my ex and I, everybody in my life was like, she is so good for you. Like, can't you see like she's showing up and she really wants to be there and like, but I was just like, I just really want to be single, you mm -hmm. know? And so I went up against my better judgment and we got into a relationship, which we shouldn't have done, you know? Um, not that I didn't care about them and mm -hmm. I really did. And it just, it wasn't what was right for either of us. And I think both of us knew that, but wanted it to work in some weird way. So anyways, um, <clears throat> in comes Steph who, we go on this date, right? And Steph has never been in a relationship before me, ever, um, which I think is amazing because she's mm -hmm. 32 years old at this yeah. point, has never been in a relationship. And so we go out on this date and you, we have one of these dates where we just talk and laugh for six hours straight. Mm -hmm. And both of us left that date like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a lot of like, no, this cannot happen right now. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. And so, and she was the same way because you she wanted to be together, but right. against your best judgment, you were like, um, well, she was terrified because she had never had feelings for anybody before. And mm -hmm. then I like came in and it was just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, but so we didn't speak for like a month after that because it was just like, no, but then. I was hanging out with a couple of friends and they were like, what happened with that girl you went on that great date with? And I was like, yeah, I just can't. Like, I cannot right now. And they were like, Taryn, that's stupid. And I was like, no, I don't need to be in a relationship. And they're like, Taryn, you don't have connections like that often. Like, you should just reach back out. Yeah. And why Why can't you just date? You yeah. Know? No, I understand. So, yeah. but also it, it's the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So dating is like impossible at this point because uh, so this was uh, June, well, May 2020. Mm -hmm. And so June 2020 was our second date. So our second date was I went to her house to cook her dinner, which is not really a second date kind of thing because usually you do separate things. But then we've been inseparable since. So, you know. There's no correct way to date. I I am I I know that. <laughs> so you it's had just, a date, right? And then it's like, well, but you know, for me, because I've been in long term relationships, like I, I've told Steph before, I'm like, you know, we think going to the grocery store together is fun, but that's because we were dating during the pandemic. Like we couldn't go like do fun things together, and mm -hmm. there was a shutdown. I mean, it wasn't just the pan; it was the shutdown, right? And so we just, um, I think. The one thing that kind of hurts our relationship now is that we started a relationship where we had nothing but time for each other. And so then mm -hmm. life started picking back up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what about all these things we used to do together? And it's like, we don't have time for that, you know? 
Like, well, now just, you have to schedule it. Right. So you make it an official so. quote unquote date. Right. But I know yeah. like back in the day, dating seemed to be only if they came and picked you up and took you officially out somewhere. Yeah, I guess from I mean dating house. in terms of like, <clears throat> you know, like getting to know each other before you and give out each other's addresses and mm-hmm. like, you know, being able to go try new things together to kind of read the person. Like, mm-hmm. I think anybody who started dating during the pandemic, it was a little bit of a learning curve because you were like, wait, in order to hang out with somebody, I either have to like go to their house who I don't know. Right. Or... But like we have to FaceTime and not just. Well, like, there yeah. you go. Actually, yeah. the FaceTiming part, I think that's the difference right there. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not really a FaceTimer or a video chat person, I think that became the window or the communication. Yeah. Like back in the day, talking on the phone for hours, that oh, was yeah. how we got to know somebody that allowed us to go meet them in public or go to their house to cook them dinner or invite them to your house and give you the address. We used to spend a lot of time on that telephone because you couldn't necessarily go to point A to point B and it wasn't always safe to meet somebody. So Mm -hmm. we figure, oh, if we talk for eight hours, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody for hours and hours and hours and connected. And back in the day when I was very superficial and then meet them and you just don't like how they smell or whatever you know and that's what I would begin to tell because men were always like oh yeah well you know we it'll be great we totally and I'm just like you know we'll see yeah we're connecting or whatever but I don't know if we're even gonna like each other's smell I mean let's chill a second till we so being demisexual I don't think that we told our audience what the definition of that is What's your definition? Uh, so I think a lot of people, like there is a core definition, but there are a lot of people who interpret it different ways. Um, but the essential definition is that you have to have emotional connection in order to be intimate with somebody um, on any level, not just sexually. But uh, sex is not something that like I think about. And so I have to be reminded of it. And I know I always feel like the weirdo because I am. No, no, no. In that with, well, because it's much more common to have a sexual mindset than to not. And so when I was growing up and younger, I didn't have that. Like, I've never watched porn. Like, I glanced at it one time and I was like, this is gross. Like, I I get you. Like, I had nothing there. And I was just like, this is so fake. And, like, I just, I had nothing there. Like, nothing could happen with that. Like, I just nothing, you know. Did you ever think at some point that you may have been asexual? Um, you know, I've talked to my therapist about that. And I there, It's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I'm asexual because um, I, I, I'm not non-sexual. It's just sex is not the first thing that pops in my brain ever. I'm never sexually attracted to anyone off the bat. Um, the reason this actually happened is a bunch of friends and I were sitting around one night joking about celebrities they would sleep with. And I was just like, I wouldn't sleep. Yeah, with I don't anybody. have one. I agree. I, yeah. I would be classified as a demisexual as, however, I don't, I, I can compartmentalize though. And I don't have any problem like for, I could sleep with you. independent (laughs) independent of a relationship with you but it would literally be a task it Mm. would make no it would have no 
affect utilitarian Ugh. Yeah. yes but i don't enjoy yeah. that right like i can do it but i've never been able not to, driven do that. to do that the one and i'm time, super monogamous yeah i'm also super monogamous um i have no i have a lot of amazing people in my life who mm-hmm. live different lives and i make a point to like spend more time with them and like understand things because also i think it has to go both ways because like i'm so on the other end of the spectrum sexually that like there, it kind of creates this cool conversation. And actually, you know, like photographing you guys in burlesque, somebody brought up to me how well I photograph the show. Like I'm actually watching the show mm-hmm. and picking it up. And I actually brought up this point of, I don't sexualize y'all on stage. Right. I can't like, I don't see you that way. Y'all could be butt ass naked up there in front of me. And I love you and I care about you, but I'm not emotionally involved with you. So there's nothing there for me. So when I'm, taking your photograph even in those moments where you're taking off your clothes like I just see you as as bratty you know and I'm like I'm in awe of you as the person that you are and I'm photographing your movements and the things that you're doing and I'm not thinking about what I would do to you yeah (laughs) if I was like you know Mm -hmm. the person taking that bra I can see that That, I mean that's how I look at my fellow burlesque you're not sexualizing I'm your not. friends. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't sexualize. I have a hard, I don't, you know, sexualize Yeah, I can never sexualize anybody. The only time that I've ever, and this is where it's weird for me, and I've actually tried to talk to people about this. The only time I've been like immediately attracted to somebody is if they're androgynous. Okay. Yeah. And well, like, and I'm I just can like, see that. Because my brain is like, at, oh, they're attractive. And I'm look like, at Johnny D. <laughs> Like Johnny yeah. Deep is a prime example of a person that triggers that even for myself. Like we talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah, their, I, I think I their love whole me some Johnny Deep personality. Right. But yeah, I don't deep breath. I don't just <laughs> but I don't, you know, s- sexualize yeah. them <clears throat> regularly or whatever. But yeah, they I've never have, been that. Able to have that mindset. for me. It, it was it and it still is Grace Jones. Yeah, I can I mean, see that. Um, androgyny all the way, but just hot as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always thought she yeah, was I beautiful. Think, um, so I also, and I don't know if this plays into that either, but I also recently, and I haven't really divulged this information out because I'm struggling with it, but I've recently found out that I am autistic and on the the end of that spectrum and but apparently one of the things with autism is they don't see gender Mm -hmm. and like one thing for me is like I I have struggled with that too even with trans friends they're like I'm a woman and I'm like okay but they're like no seriously and I'm like okay okay you're a woman I I hear you (laughs) yeah and and I'm like I don't care yeah and like I I hear them and I do I they they do have to have that conversation with numerous people but with me it's just like if you came to me tomorrow and told me I'm going by Jennifer, I never want to be called bratty again. And like, I'm using they, them pronouns. I would just mm-hmm. be like, okay, okay, that's your, whatever you want to be is who you are, you know, to me. And like my brain just accepts it. And I don't need to like question like, <laughs> well, wait a minute, but you've got a vagina. Right. Why? You've got a, I don't think about things like that. Mm-hmm. Like my brain is never in that, but it's really hard to like, authentically express that to people because they're skeptical of that, which I understand because I guess I would be too in some ways, but like my brain just doesn't, I just see you as people. And like, I don't know if that's more like, am I, 
I get it. I think yeah. they're just applying what's in their brain. I think there's a lot more people like you as far as how you see things. I don't think that has anything to do with your autism. I well, think no, it is um, uh, like doing research once I got the diagnosis and stuff. Um, so you're medically something. diagnosed? Yes. So Can you, t- and we can cut this out if you want to, or we can leave it in, because I'm very, very curious about that, because I was going through the same thing, and there's not really a test according to my therapist of of autism Mm. so we were just kind of doing deductive reasoning okay what don't you have and then yeah just kind of go in there I was um I've been with my therapist for years and um it was really so I've known about my ADHD for a long time and ADHD is definitely on the spectrum your brain does not operate like normal people to atypical, I shouldn't say normal. Oh, but I know. You know I'm what looking I mean. at you right now, wondering if that shirt's from Target. That it's has absolutely life. nothing to do it with is. anything going on. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have ADHD, and I've known that for a few years now, and I've been a huge advocate for that, especially in women, because ADHD, like, I have been mistreated a lot in my life because I don't respond and act to things the same way a lot of people mm-hmm. do. Um, but in further realization of that like learning about the ADHD but then there are still these traits that come up and so I started to question if I was actually autistic and it was actually a TikTok because I follow a lot of ADHD therapists where it was like put a finger down mm-hmm. and it was like I put all 10 finger da- fingers down and the therapist was like these are not actually traits of ADHD they're actually traits of autism and a lot of times we intertwine those two mm-hmm. I so I went to my too. therapist and I was like I have questions. And she was like, I'm very comfortable saying that you're on the spectrum being your therapist for many years, but here is a therapist issued like test that Mm -hmm. you can take and we can get a better, you know, understanding of that. And so I took the test and I was like, (laughs) I think it was like an years if you tested anywhere over like 97 or something. And I was like, well over that. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, but then it started to make a lot of sense because I cannot regulate my emotions. Um, I, I absolutely cannot. So like when I get passionate and you've probably seen that there's no coming back. Like there's no calming me down. Like if you've made me mad, there's no coming back. <laughs> like I have to leave. Um, there's just certain things that like, you know, I've been told my whole life, like I should be able to control. I've never been able to. And I've always thought that there was something wrong with me. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, being autistic, but having the diagnosis is like, oh, this makes sense because like all these things that have been so hard for me and that I've pretended to try to do that I have not been able to do, um, it, it's, it's autism. Is it a relief? It's, um, or does it cause like a whole nother myriad of, this is where I'm at right now because it is recent, um, I'm a little depressed about it um, because I can't help but think about what my life would have been like when I was a kid and I had a lot of problems in school because I didn't learn like the other kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, I disrupted the class or like I couldn't function during testing. Like I think about those things and like how different my life could have been if I had been diagnosed early on and like maybe I would have finished college and like maybe I would have done this and that. You know what I'm saying? Like if I would have had the the teachers that put forth the time and effort and not just because I am very high functioning. Um, like, unfortunately I, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I function at a very intelligent rate. And so 
that's a downfall for people though who have ADHD or autism and they're on the spectrum because they're like, you're so smart. How could you possibly not understand this? But no, it's, like, it's a spectrum. That's, <laughs> that's what, what I'm saying. Whole, yeah. But that's how people view it is they're yeah. like, you're so, and you're testing off the charts. You're saying that the, the word autism has a stigma to it, a negative stigma that you're, you don't adhere to. I uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, you, you can't. First of all, people were just learning mainstream back in the, you know, 90s, even that there is a spectrum. If you were diagnosed back when you were in school, everything you, I don't think it would have been better for you having uh, my son had cerebral palsy so he um started school you know he was born 95 so he started school in 2000 you were already in high school yeah then Mm -hmm. so he didn't even have all the resources that he could have that they have now yeah and the with just a diagnosis sight unseen Sometimes it would limit, they would put him in a box and limit his capabilities. Yet, um, you know, because his prognosis and how his outcome were vastly different. I mean, his prognosis was that he would be severely mentally impaired and that he would be in a wheelchair. He's neither of those things. And had um, part of small town living... I don't, I think they would have put you in an LD class and because you were smart, you would have gotten less attention than the kids who were worse on the spectrum. Oh no, I, I, I think I misexplained uh, <laughs> what kind of school I went to. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of the reason that I work the way that I work and I hustle the way that I hustle is because of my schooling. Um, I was in all the gifted and talented classes. We had a lot of work all the time and there was a lot of pressure on us as kids. Like I grew up in East Texas, one A school, uh, testing meant schools got money. Um, so we had to test in high brackets. Um, it was requirement. I think. So you, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. So basically you would be more on the Asperger's spectrum of autism right but which is how rid of that so that's why it's right so it's but still that's the spectrum, you but... were with all the gifted kids so technically you were already with the right, people they I, would have put you in i didn't learn the way that they did mm-hmm. so i was alienated a lot in those classes because i couldn't keep up the way that they could but i right. it was expected of me and so all my friends though were in the lower education classes and so I do think about had I had been in those classes with my friends, would I have developed myself like as Taryn in my teens versus now in my thirties? Yeah. You probably would have had less pressure to do so. Um, which, which sucks because, Mm -hmm. but that, I think what I'm trying to say is that back then they didn't have, as much education, the educators did not have as much education mm-hmm. about autism, about right. how it even worked. Yeah. So they didn't know. They just knew that 
IQ wise, you were gifted. Right. But I was diagnosed this. with everything else, though. <laughs> That's what, like, with, with ADHD my child. And everything I was diagnosed else? bipolar, ADD, ADHD, like, the 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 amount of things that they tested me for as a child because I was different and and none of them came back to that. I mean, I was eventually put on ADHD and ADD medicine as a child and even now as an adult, they don't recognize that I have ADHD, but I was even diagnosed as a child with it. Um so I can't even get medication for it because the state of Tennessee regulates it. Um and it's very hard very hard for a female to be taken seriously that has ADHD. So, but yeah. Yep. Pre International Women's Day. <laughs> Funny story, right? My husband had to go to the doctor, had to go to the emergency room last Sunday. And uh all his he's got all this stuff going on. It's sounds like COVID, but it's not COVID. Mm-hmm. So he's got all these things going on. The doctor comes in and he goes, "Well, you know, all your labs look good. He goes, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what you're feeling. Right. So my husband comes home very, very defeated. And he's like, well, you told me that there was nothing wrong with me. I said, no, he said that your labs came back. Okay. He didn't say nothing was wrong with you. And then I said, don't feel special. You know, women been going through this for centuries Mm -hmm. with doctors. Don't feel special about this. But I just, I hate the medical field and I'm in the same boat as you. Like I can't get diagnosed for what I have. And I'm so old now that I don't even know that I care. Yeah. I, I understand that. Um, that's, I think that's where my, like to like come back to that point real quick, because I'm trying to unlearn a lot of the ways that I've masked over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, I, I do try to pretend to be okay and like function in spaces that I don't actually function in. Sometimes you have to do that just to get, you know, through the task that you have to do. Yeah. But like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's so like, what do you do? You don't do the task. I think as, as I'm getting older, I think that's becoming harder for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's why like this diagnosis has been like, you know, a little bit hard because I've started to realize that like, how I feel isn't just me being dramatic, which is a word that's been used to describe me several times. And I hate that word for that reason. Cause I'm not being dramatic. It's literally how I feel and I cannot <laughs> stop the feelings. And then when you call me a dramatic, it is infuriating <laughs> and everything so in me, I'm even more dramatic. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's like, you want to see drama? I'm going <laughs> to give you drama, right? Like you want to call me that because I'm expressing and communicating my emotions with you And I'm sorry that, like, it comes so easily for most people, apparently, which, because this is how I'm talked to, to just walk into a room and fake it. I cannot fake it. If I don't, if I'm uncomfortable around somebody, I cannot fake. I clam up, and this is, like, one of the things I, I will just, I cannot make eye contact with them. And, like, you know, I also have empathness, whatever it is, (laughs) empathness. You know, I'm an empath and I can get a really good read on somebody when I first meet them. And if I feel any of that negative energy from them, like I shut down and like, I honestly worry about them as people because I'm like, how do you not notice that there's a human being who's lighting up around one person next to you and then shutting down 
when you speak to them. Uh, ignorance is bliss. Because <laughs> nobody how. ever does. <clears throat> Humans walk around with the same kind of blinders they put on horses oh. for horse races. Wow. You know? And so, and, and also nowadays, <laughs> they're, they're walking around with a forward-facing camera as yeah. well. So they can see themselves narrowly interacting with other people there's not many people i'm like that with like that's the thing that gets me is if i'm ever like that there's something wrong with that person like Mm -hmm. i'm on high alert the fire alarm is going off in my head and i cannot be around them and then nine times out of ten i will try to tell myself like you have to give be you know human beings the benefit of the doubt because we all are people but I'm usually not wrong when that when I feel that way about somebody. Well, there's yes, those those are gifts and superpowers and you should definitely yeah. utilize them. <laughs> yes. And that's part of your boundaries. Right. The sad thing is to... though, is that most of those people have so many people convinced that they are you know, the sun shines out of their ass and you're just like how what? And then you're, you know, like dramatic and emotional because you see all the things that they're you notice they actually are, you know, you the s- manipulation, the gaslighting and mm-hmm. all the things that send me into high alert. So, yeah, that I mean, that happens a lot. And especially in the communities that you're in, our communities overlap each other. But fortunately, there's some genuine people in there as well. Yeah, there are. So, <laughs> so you I mean, do you have a hard time with calling stuff out too? Like, does that I cause actually you don't. to... She um, does not. She inter... You, yeah, do you that, internalize that is also, it? No, I don't. That is also a problem. <laughs> I will tell you what I think and feel. I don't candy coat things. I'm mm-hmm. straight to the point. People tend to not like that. Um, but well, I don't have... When, I, don't first, when I first met you, we, I just remember... I don't even remember what the conversation was about, but you were very, very blunt and... You had your point, and I was like, "Huh." And I had—I don't come in contact with those people very often. I was like, "Huh, okay." But you made me look at it from another perspective. Uh-huh. I had already had it in my mind, you know. Well, she's fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but upon thinking about it, I was like, "Okay, I can see it from from her perspective mm-hmm. there." Yeah, and I appreciate the bluntness and the calling out. I just, I don't have my brain. Like I said, I can't be fake. And so I can't do this. I cannot do small talk to save my life. Oh, I know. Cannot do small talk. I cannot be that person. Like, luckily that is the really great thing about stuff is stuff is neurotypical. I make fun of her. Cause I'm like, you've surrounded yourself <laughs> with neurodivergent people, but Steph has come to be able to read me in situations where she will just pull me out because she can see me like mentally, you might think that I'm listening to everything that you're saying, but I have mentally checked out. I am picturing you dying in front of me <laughs> so that you'll stop talking. And like, <laughs> I am like freaking out internally. And so there are like cues for that apparently. And Steph says, I also stem like I do, you know, when yes. I get, mm-hmm. I, I start to make the movements and I do all of that. Um, so, but yeah, I have a hard time with that because if somebody asks me a question, like if you, ask me a question, be prepared for me to give you my honest answer. And like, I try really hard to like convey that to people, but sometimes it's still like, I can be as honest as possible about that. I'm like, Hey, I don't have time for that. Like if you have a problem, let's discuss it right now. And people are really 
They don't they, like it. They don't like it. <laughs> but also it's like, I don't want to have the dramatic, like, you go home and feel bad and we talk shit about each other to our friends. And then two years later, we're like, <laughs> remember that time? And then we get into another fight. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that with mm-hmm. people. Like, I, like if, if you have a problem with me, you know, like, sorry, I forget we're on the air and not. But, you know, Brady, if you have a problem. People can feel it. They can <laughs> they feel do. the hand They know. They, they know. Anyone right, like, that's seen us in right. real time know exactly how we yeah. look right now. Well, but, you know, like if, if you had a problem with me or if I did something, I would really rather you just come talk to me about it. I don't even know where we were. I don't even have <laughs> no idea. We were talking about autism and dating and um, all the things. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean podcast. to sound attacking to you. I hope I didn't no, at when? any time when I'm like, well, so what about no, 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 no. I was trying to explain <laughs> uh, where I was coming from, because if you a lot of times one of the things that I have hang ups with is communicating with people. And I think what I'm saying is like accurate, but you're not understanding what I'm saying. And so I try to like when I hear what you're saying and I'm like, that doesn't match with what I'm saying so let me re-say it a different nice. way good so I do mm. have to do that a lot too, I like, appreciate that yeah. though but that's a that's something that's on my end a lot of times because I feel like I'm communicating like I'm like I said this point blank plain and then you're like no understand and do you feel like they should have read your mind in the first place like they should understand How what you you're not saying know this information yeah. yeah do you feel that way too like uh, I I used to, but I've worked a lot on that in therapy because nice. we can't ever expect anyone to read our minds. I guess minds. I need to get into therapy. <laughs> Which, it's, yeah, it's, it does wonders. Um, Which I, answers the question of why your school people didn't understand how you weren't getting in either. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to like convey <laughs> is that, you know, for me, school was hard because it was more like, why do you not understand this? And yeah. I would just be like, say it a different way. And then it, the people who did choose to invest in me and do that, like I would excel in those areas. But because like, I'm more of a hands-on learner. Like mm-hmm. I can't just read a book and yeah, retain I'm a kinetic it. learner all the way. Like, mm-hmm. I read all the time. I love mm-hmm. to read, but I'm not going to remember everything about that book unless I write it down or mm-hmm. I do a book club and I talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, because that's not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Like I read so many books and like, I, I love it, but I just can't commit it enough to memory. And then like, if you're like, Hey, did you read that book? I'd be like, yeah, I did. But then I'm like, do you want to talk about it? Cause like, wait, you're going to have to bring up. Cause if you, if you read it and you can bring up points, it'll trigger I can go back to it. And it's almost like I go back to that page and I'm like, Oh, I remember this, but like, I need the help to get there like I can't just access that information without the like you need a trigger lifeline yeah Yeah. I mean I my brain works the same way maybe I'm uh, have Asperger's I've said that numerous times but most people are like no because emotionally and I'm terrible with emotions I am all over the place I have struggled with that my whole life um, do you well, cry? I'm a Pisces, you, so people do you go, cry hey. easily? <laughs> I used to, um, and I was made fun of it for, yeah. made fun of a lot for it. Mm-hmm. Was told I was too emotional and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Why are you learned? Cry- why are you crying? Yeah. Why are you crying over this stupid little thing? Yeah, why- yeah, I've learned I how to it. suppress it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's a good thing because I end up 
it, I break down in other ways when I suppress it. But, but that's like the thing, right? It's like from what, what I'm trying to say about all of it is that I'm unlearning these learned behaviors that were that never worked for me that I shouldn't have been doing. But in order to make other people comfortable around me, I had to do that. But in order to make other people comfortable, it was detrimental to my own mental health, which led to like very bad, deep, dark moments mm-hmm. of like my mental health, like hole and depression and, you know, beating myself up, not wanting to be around anybody. And, you know, so I'm slowly bringing myself back out of that and like trusting that, well, I'm also weeding out the people in my life who make me feel that way. You know, it's like if you don't have the time and patience to like work with me and like work with me being open and honest with you that I am this way, then I don't have the time to put forth that effort in our relationship anymore because I just can't do it anymore. So that's where I'm at. You're so valid. I just yeah. want you to know that, that you're, this is very valid and it's, also, in my experience, um, a lot of people your age in general, not just uh, with your diagnosis or anything like that, but a lot of people in general uh, feel and are going through this. And, and mm-hmm. also you have a big hormone influx happening in your body at, right now as well. And, P, you know it's complicated to navigate. Uh, my youngest at 35 was five. So raising humans takes away mm. all of that, you know, being able to grow. So you're trying to grow humans. Like right. I developed even 10 years later, like doing the comedy situation i wait till the kids were grown yeah you put your to life take on, on this hold whole and new your thing. emotions on right hold. you don't you're able to channel that and if you're terrible if you're not a good human sometimes you become like your stepmom or mm-hmm. you know where i can't deal with anything and you're the monster because they yeah. don't want to look at i hate that whatever. for parents though and i feel like you know uh like my mom you know i i hate that she felt like she had to sacrifice her life to have kids and like is now resentful and bitter because of that. And like, it's like, you didn't have to do that. We didn't ask you to do that. But like, also, also you have to look at society during her time. Right. No, for and, sure. Yeah, like, I have and, compassion towards yeah, that, but like, I think it, that's why our generations are like, we don't want people to feel that way. Yeah. And like, I have friends who are having kids and they're like trying to talk about postpartum and they're, trying to talk about they can't do it alone and like I unfortunately um had a friend who was dealing with postpartum and depression uh last year um unalive herself after having a baby uh who was three months old at the time and you know it's hard to talk about um but like now that I like now I'm even more sensitive because I I even used to like I would see people bitching about and I, I, I'm going to say it the way that I thought back then yeah, and go then ahead. I'll correct myself. Yeah. So, you, you know how, I, but I would see people bitching and I'm like, you chose to have a child, like suck it up, you know? But then I was like, what kind I'm not, I'm not anti-children and I need to preface that. Like I want kids one day. I just, it hasn't been the opportunity that has presented itself to me. And, but I then realized that like, I, that was a wrong idea for me to have because 
just because you chose to be a parent doesn't mean that it's not hard and it doesn't have challenging times. And like the way society teaches us is it's like, well, you chose that life. So like you can't bitch about it, but then that's isolating for women and, you know, women who have kids and like, then they feel like they can't have a life outside of just having a child. And now I'm like, I'm so sorry. My daughter, it's part of growing. Yeah. My daughter just had, our grandson in September and he was five months old. And there was a period of time she was going, mom, I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And I was like, I I had to push her to go, okay, women been doing this for centuries. You are Mm -hmm. a lot stronger than you think you can do this. Just take it day by day. You can. And when, if you get depressed and you get feel like, call me, call me, I'll be right down there. Mm -hmm. I got friends that also make sure talk to your doctor and make sure you're yes. chemically not yes. messed up. But we didn't know this. Like when right. I had my first child, I was 28 years old. It's not like I was a teenager. Yeah. My mom was 28 when she had me. And I had no idea, even up to the pregnancy, everything. They didn't say how bad you were going to bleed before you even went to have your baby, mm-hmm. like when you, you know, you start to um, dilate fully or whatever, it was like, where is this blood coming from? Oh my gosh, we're dying. And it's no, this is part mm-hmm. of the process of having the baby. But they skip over that. Yeah. They didn't talk about postpartum depression. Uh, at the time, they did a little bit more like back yeah. then. You know, when they really started talking about it was when Andrea Yates happened. Do you remember Andrea Yates? That was you like have to refresh me. That was like, like the mid nineties where she drowned all five of her children in the bathtub. Yes. Uh, okay. I, mean, I didn't know that was her name, but yeah. Yeah. Um they just did a another documentary about it so many like twenty five years later mm-hmm. or something. Um I wanna say that her and her husband are still married, that she just had a chemical imbalance and just flipped. And yeah, and this happened. And that's when people really started talking about it. Well, my gosh, she was a a home alone with five children while her husband was out working. You know, she had no support. I want to say they lived on a military base or something like that, where she was kind of isolated from other people. Did she not spend time for this? Oh, yeah, she's still she's still in jail. Yeah, she's okay. She's in a mental facility. Right facility, but yes, okay. she's still there. Yeah, I'm like, hold on, because the way that that sounded, I'm like, you make that sound like that she's out and about, and they're still together, and blah blah. No, blah. No, and no, it's no. like, no, he I just think didn't still, divorce her. Yes, for doing this to yeah. his children. Yeah, I, you know, I think no. there's a lot of men who wouldn't. But that's when people really started <laughs> talking about postpartum and how we really, really need to check like in on new worse mothers than what you yeah. think yeah. you know and they i mean women have just now st- and started being believed about their pain levels oh yeah no, <laughs> where I, it comes yeah. out saying that uh was it a and heart attack was that child labor was worse than having a heart attack mm. well we all know that labor is horrifying and that for whatever reason our body will forget those pains so that you know we'll continue to procreate um pain just like any other thing i don't think but to act as though you don't have it like back 
when they would do surgeries on black people thinking they didn't feel any pain at what like mm-hmm. what kind of crazy ass <laughs> medieval horrific crap oh my god it just gives me the huzz yeah. so bad well, like, what, what my is, whole entire skin is like that long ago and then also yes the that still happen to this day um you know i i wear a fitbit um because i am you know plus size and I'm treated less than every time I go to the doctor because it's always like you need to lose weight. And I'm like, I cannot lose weight. And like, they were like, well, you're not active enough. And I'm like, oh, I'm plenty active. Like I, you know, I work and I'm on my feet and then I mm-hmm. go to the gym and like I do all this. And like this, you know, was a few you years You got to start eating better then. Yeah. And then so I finally got to a point because they were like, uh, they finally diagnosed me with a hypothyroid mm. and I have high cholesterol. But they still treat me like I eat stuff on high cholesterol. And I'm like, so what are, because like the last time I got my blood work done, which was just not that long ago. And they were like, you really need to get your cholesterol down. And I'm like, okay, so what are the foods like specifically that I need to cut out to lower my cholesterol? And they were like, red meat. And I was like, I don't eat meat. And they were like, okay, dairy, like cream. And I was like, I drink oat milk. And so like they kept naming all these things. And I was like, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. So, like, what is the solution here? Because I was like, I understand they have what a medication you're that will lower like, this. <laughs> I'm like, yes, and that's what we want. That's right. what we want you to do is we want you to take this medication. Well, but they don't. I've never been. They offered didn't prescribe. It. They won't it prescribe just, they keep it telling to her. Me, oh well, maybe that occasional Taco Bell trip when you're on a road trip is what's causing men this. get I'm to like, get. Oh, I know. Lipitor, but women don't, you know, for whatever reason. We just have to go to the gym more, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have high cholesterol as well, and I've been taking red yeast rice, Mm. red, yeah, for three to four years now, and it has lowered my cholesterol about 25 points. That's awesome. So that would be my recommendation, and that's over the counter. It's a vitamin. Yeah. That's what I feel like because I, I tend to, I'm like, what can I do for myself before I have to go to the doctor? Yes. Because like, and I, I do actually, I did find a, a very great doctor at this point and I was lucky to stumble upon her and I still see her and I'm like the, a couple weeks ago, well, not a couple weeks ago, but two months ago, um, she was out having her baby and I didn't know that and I had to go in. And this guy walks in and I'm just like, who are you? What are you doing here? Where's where's my doctor? Because I'm just like, no, 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 no. I have a male doctor just so I can give him shit when he tells me. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to live that life anymore. My daughter loves really her doctor. And I'm excited for her. She what? She loves her doctor. Oh, I thought and she lost her doctor. No, no. And she didn't lose I'm them. I'm very excited for her. So I was very confused for a second. <laughs> I was like. No, she loves them. And uh they actually listen to her and See, that's don't light. say yeah. everything is because she's fat. Right. They're like, wow, all of your blood work isn't like she's has yeah. great blood work. And, you know, now she's an anomaly to them. They're, yes, yeah. completely. Right. Because yeah. she is I have a supersized BBW. Yeah. And they're so, always like your blood pressure is perfect. And I'm like, because I can't lose weight but i'm not like just sitting around right eating yeah. cheesy poos That's what they say. on the couch mm-hmm. while my husband's at work right also just to preface being a lesbian it's like really hard when you go to the doctor because they're like is there any way you could be pregnant and i'm like no and they're like are, are you, you sure? sure and i'm like 
I have not slept with a man since 2009. Yes, I'm sure. But also, sometimes you can't say that because it's a little nerve-wracking because you don't know how the people are going to respond to you being a lesbian. <laughs> so I'm just like, yes, I'm sure I have not been intimate with anyone. I am surprised at that they would respond any way except that you're just a female I, presenting. It, mm, you know, yeah. as far as doctors are concerned when they're looking at your biological... Anatomy. No, I mean, I always feel like the doctors, like, I, there was one time I remember they forced me to do a pregnancy test. And I was like, there's no way possible that I am pregnant. And they still, like, they made me take it a pregnancy test because they have to, like, protect themselves. Their liability. Or something. Yeah. But I was just like, I cannot physically be pregnant. And, you know, I was like, unless I'm the, the immaculate, Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the immaculate mother and all of that. But, you know, it's like... Even when we got to protect, they got to protect their ass. It literally is all legal, which is an invasion of your right. Because then, even though I'm telling, like, I'm like, I have not been intimate with a man in 10 years, it's like, uh, oh, are you sure? Are you sure that you didn't fall and slip on a dick? (laughs) Yeah, right. Somewhere, I feel sometimes, yeah, I'm like, uh, but I mean, it is scary also to be to tell anyone that you're queer like i feel like i'm constantly still coming out that's like please yeah describe that to me because i just can't believe in this day and age and what the community that we're in here i think that that you still get that i think that you still have have that fear right i think that we've built a, a beautiful community here in knoxville filled with transplants and people who are from here but I think a lot of times we get comfortable in that community and forget what it's like on the other side. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're going outside of the, I can't tell you the county, um, yeah. even on the Knox pride page, like the messages that we get from people, you know, that we're going to hell. It's a sin. <laughs> we're not right. I mean, it's still constantly, I mean, look what happened, what's happening in Florida. I mean, the, yeah, the don't say gay bill. I'm yeah, gonna have a really say. tough time come May when I'm at the. You are. What P3 are we gonna do? Well, festival. we have Gavin Gay time. What are we gonna do? Yeah, if we're not allowed to say gay, we're gonna have to come up with something else. Yeah, but, Ga- but Gavin homosexual time. The, well, is the the scary part about all of that is that you know it, i mean it, it's more involving children and yeah school, they're taking away safe they're, spaces they're taking away safe spaces and what's scary about that is those kids are going to feel like there's something wrong about them mm-hmm. and they're gonna deny themselves of that whereas we're trying so hard to make a world where it's like we don't want you to feel that way we felt that way for so long and especially being like you know um it, it is hard. It's scary. You know, like, there are a lot of things that happen even in Knoxville still that are terrifying. And I you don't know, know I, the bill. Like I haven't read the bill, but I have, I don't understand. Like my daughter's stepdaughter is like nine. And I've always thought this was gross in the straight community as well as the over sexualizing and romanticizing children like from the I think it's just as gross if uh, my daughter had a um, new baby girl and we were taught we would be like oh wouldn't oh, it be cute if they were boyfriend and girlfriend yes. like oh, that oh, they're is, gonna get married when they get older gross to yeah. me yeah so sexualizing children now it's different if a child is coming to a trusted adult to say 
I have these emotions and feelings, but it's, I mean, it's to go ahead and be like, Hey, because as parents, I don't think children that have two parents that are same sex, see them any more sexually than straight parents. You know what I mean? Like you're not, no, but I think, I think the big issue at hand is, and this, plays into to straight gay non whatever whoever you know it, it the problem is is that i i get what you're saying like it is kind of gross to be like oh they should be boyfriend girlfriend i mean but you shouldn't do that but i think a lot of us um like forget that you know children start to think and about sex very young and there's like all the world around them that's like <laughs> you know, very sexual, which is what, mm-hmm. but we're, we still teach abstinence over actual, like, you know, real life, like this, this is how you do it. Like, because, you know, it's like such a stigma for us to think about children having sex, but like, then you think back to your teenage days and like, you know, there are kids who have kids, you know, and like, but if they had been taught or it was talked about, um, so, I mean, it, it works. It's kind of like this weird thing where like kids now, they can't talk about it one way or another. You know, it's this limbo of like, we can't talk about sex because I'm too young, but I'm thinking about sex because I just saw Your sex hormones. on regular TV, you know, like, and hormones and you're ever changing. But then now where we're getting to this point in society where we're seeing representation and people can actually see like, oh, there's a woman on TV who looks like me. Or there's a man who has transitioned into a woman. That is something that I could do. Like, I've thought about mm-hmm. that, but I never knew it was a possibility. So we're, like, but moving did... forward towards that. But, like, to say, sorry, just no, to, no. To, to say what this bill is going to do is cause a lot of anguish in kids. And it, it it's it's rolling us back completely. And it's basically saying that parents <laughs> have the right to dictate what their children are going to be. And like, I don't agree with that either. Like, I don't think that your parents should say, I don't believe in you being gay. You won't be gay. And like, that kind of sucks too. Cause then the kids are powerless until they're 18. That's never worked out well anyway. Yeah. However, um, as a parent who, uh, I do have a, a gay daughter. I have imperfect children. Um, I've tried to raise them to be happy more than into any box Mm -hmm. that I might put them in. However, I do see the validity in things like uh, trying to teach abstinence and self-control as far as making sure that you are maturely able emotionally and physically to handle the unintended consequences of the choices of things like sex or uh, bigger issues. Not everyone can process the feelings and our minds are not even developed to the point where we can really determine uh, what we want to do, be who we want to be. This is all part of growth. And you can't take back some things. You can't unsee some things. You you steal 
a certain amount of innocence if you do not, at least as an adult for a child, try to make some sort of boundary that is a solid boundary of safety. Now, whether a child on their own is going to explore this kind of thing with other children, we played doctor, we did things like that. You know, there were people exploring bodies or trying to see, you know, boys with sneak, I want to see boobs or whatever. I'm not saying go back to Victorian times. You should openly be able to talk about things like this. But at some point, somebody has to, and I'm not saying to make the law. We don't have to have a law. Yeah, why is but the government have, involved correct, in that in the first place? Correct. That shouldn't be anything about that. But human beings are not animals as much as although we're mammals and we're in the family we are supposed to be of a higher intellect we are supposed to be able to be self-disciplined and self-control and it's not about not loving or if you don't have a bad connotation on the fact that you have emotional and or physical feelings towards someone, but consequences to actions definitely should be discussed and not all consequences, you know, sex has a lot of consequences outside of just that it feels yeah. good. Well, I can speak on it from how I was raised. Um, my mom was very open about sex and we talked about it and I was asked to that if I ever got to a point to come to her first, mm -hmm. we did not, not talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, out of all the kids I grew up with, <laughs> I was definitely the oldest one to lose my virginity. Um, and I did not like, you know, because most parents are like abstinence, 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 which is fine. But like, as a, as an educational concept, we, we see that that doesn't work. Um, right. so it's not about, not teaching that it's about finding ways to educate children because they're still going to be children and they're still going to make the mistakes. But when they make the mistakes, if they have the full utility belt to make those mistakes with, could we possibly fix that there instead of allowing the mistake to just go without any type of adult guidance? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Cause like even as adults, like, I mean, I constantly think I'm like, how am I allowed to do this? You know, like, <laughs> But I remember being a teenager and like, you know, things happened and like people were people and like we were teens and like there were parties and there were things going on and there was unsupervision and like nine times out of 10, we're without adults most of the day yes. besides one in a classroom. And like if our parents are home when we get home, you know, but I just, the, I, I just, I... I can't speak on it from a parental point of view. And I do hear my, fr I have plenty of friends with kids and like, you know, my best friend, her kids are 10 and eight and like, she'll have conversations with me. Cause she's like, do you think I'm like, am I being too guarded? Like, you know, a couple of years ago she was like, do you think it's okay for me to let them watch Beetlejuice because of the, the scene with the brothel? And I was like, I don't think they're going to even register that. <laughs> yeah, correct. But, but she still didn't feel comfortable enough to show. Yeah. But then in the other aspect, my little nephew wants to wear a freaking Anna costume. And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. You want to wear makeup? You know, you want to do this? Which in 
And 10 years ago, when we were in high school, we would have made fun of somebody, you know, not 10 years ago, but, you know, prior to that, mm-hmm. like, and, and so like to see that growth and to allow children to express themselves and to see our generation just be like, we see what our parents did and nobody's saying it's wrong. You have the tools that you had, but what I think is happening is that there is continuing conversations where it's like, we see what you did and we respect you for raising us and teaching us. And I think a lot of people in my generation, cause I have this conversation a lot, especially with women, our mothers raised us to be these badass, strong, independent women. We don't need no man. We can do whatever we want to. We don't have to like, you know, mm-hmm. but then our mothers at some point switched into the housewife role or became a little bitter and angry towards us when we started living that truth because it was like they wanted to live that, but back then it still wasn't allowed in society. And so there's this like, like I, I, I understand like, cause I feel that way with younger queer kids, you know, where I'm like, you have no idea how hard it was. Cause it's just like, how did you not just have a girlfriend in high school? And I'm like, there was, I had no idea I was even allowed to be gay. This is what happens. This is how we get bitter. Right. And we're not, it's, I'm the comparison bitter is how, but yes, the fact that, that you have so many more opportunities. That's what we're talking about. Like when we say, we don't understand how you can feel uncomfortable that you're gay now. Like for, we do understand. Oh, there's laws left and right that are still wrapping our head around it. We remember when, you know, I personally have been punched in the face for being friends with a gay person. Right. Especially a gay male back during the AIDS epidemic. You know, I mean, I've had five very close friends die from HIV. And to think now that all of a sudden Braddy today says, well, you know, my, the kids today, they don't even, uh, you know, now having sex with them as a barometer of if you like them or not. You see the involvement in that? I mean, it's... Yeah, but I think... You were preached abstinence under fear of God or you would be less than or a terrible person or bruised merchandise or whatever kind of bullshit Mm. reason that they had to try to control you with abstinence. That's not what I mean by making that an alternative. You know, I do think it never, I never limited my, you know, my kids at, or whatever, as far as th- like your mom, if they would make it a game, like when the internet, when we all had an internet, oh my God, I did made the mistake of telling my kids to come to me and ask me anything. And that's how I found out what a pink sock was or a blue waffle or any of that stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, I it don't was, know what any of that is. Well, <laughs> don't. Google it at your own discretion. It's the worst horrible stuff. Uh, See, I mean, it is uh, horrifying. And it's not. And it was like, oh, my God. Right. I mm, so I, I just I feel like a lot of times. Um, and I think I can a lot of times in today's society, like what you're saying is, is that so like, for example, we were hanging out with, um, some friends kid one day watching them they're 16 <laughs> okay and yeah. like they're like 16 oh, we is shouldn't. a young adult who right but 
they're like, we shouldn't talk about this. And I'm like, I'm, we're all in our mid thirties, but I'm like thinking about them at 16 now and the exposure that they've had in their life. Right. They know more than I know. Yes. As an adult. Yes, they do. So when you treat them less than like, you don't know you're a kid, you shouldn't know, but they do know they're like, oh, well, because, you know, we the, it's that kid mentality, that teenage rebellious mm-hmm. mentality. So I'm not saying to, like, sit down and just be like, <laughs> hey, let's talk about our sex lives, kid. Right. Obviously not. But when you when you treat teenagers, especially, and I think that's what, like, when we treat teenagers, like, you know, because I have to think back to when I was a teenager and I wanted to be an adult as a teenager and I wanted to be treated like I was an adult as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Until and you until you were treated them, as an adult, most of until a, you were treated like I an adult. I don't think I've ever really been treated like an adult. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's what my I want to be treated as an adult. Yeah. Okay. And then and then all this. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah, I don't right? like this. I don't like paying I don't bills. Know, I don't I'm like this. Be able um, to pick and this, choose. This is yeah, adulthood. This is adulthood. Enjoy your teenage. Yeah. I think I think where our disconnect is in this conversation is that you are definitely focused more on. Um, high school teenage people i'm focused on the queer youth who are going to start killing themselves because this isn't a conversation and also because no offense but where are straight people at talking about these things that our kids now that you're saying are ridiculous for us to have to talk about are being treated there are as. a lot of straight people that talk about this believe that it or not i, have not, I mean i'm straight I know, and right. have i you know a lot of our right but no that's not what i'm so it's where do you think with, gay people come from that's not what i'm saying <laughs> what i'm saying is is that you see more people talking about the war in ukraine right now than the war on gay and trans kids right now that's actually happening on our turf like texas and even the war on women in Texas and then the the don't say gay bill in Florida. I mean, what you're seeing is, is that the South is that the news media who controls the narrative of what we talk about would much rather talk about Ukraine and or what Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are doing rather than real issues that we have every day. Right. But you can't blame that on so what you're saying is the straight people do talk about it, but then you're saying the media tells them what to talk about. That's like where it becomes a, like you can't, you can't Only have it both ways. I mean, this is real effective. things that are happening and people are talking about it. Like on the Knox pride page, I've been sharing it day after day. We're doing a voter registration. We're talking about the slate of hate that is happening to gay people in Tennessee every year. And so when straight people or people who are not in the queer community are almost dumbfounded by the fact that gay people still have to live in fear. <laughs> it's hard for me to to understand that because I do live in fear. My partner and I live in fear in the South all the time. Like there's no telling what could happen. I mean, there was a lesbian couple recently that were just out on vacation who were murdered for being lesbians in public. Like these things still happen. And the problem is, is that it's not talked about. And here's the yeah, problem. See, it's the same thing with the, the black community. I've heard of that. Exactly. But it's the same thing with the black community. They're tired of doing the emotional labor. They're exhausted. And so they need the allies to do the work and correct the issues that are at hand. That's what the queer community needs. We're exhausted. So how been do dying, we murdering. get that information? I mean, because as like as a straight person who still has a queer daughter, 
gay daughter. I don't even know. She doesn't. Anyway, she's pan. So what, however we look on that, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, right now we're in, it's everyday issues. She, she hasn't even said, Hey, did you hear about this person being murdered? You know, who, it becomes you know, really hard for us to continue to live in that. Like, I mean, imagine trying to live your truth and then every day reading about someone else who was killed well, or every, every day, day I live my truth. And I hear about a, you know, a friend whose child's dying of cancer or a friend who's been beat to death by their boyfriend or girlfriend or I mean tragedy hits every single one of us human beings and we all have a huge load I have a fear every day just being a female walking down the street not letting I much less I understand being marginalized and I get where you are marginalized but everyday life there is an element of fear I get where you are being focused for actual hate like right, actual it, hate is being focused on you. Right. And I understand that as a woman, but I also understand that as a queer woman. And then I understand that as having trans friends and friends who are non-binary, like the, they live in fear of going anywhere outside their comfort zone because someone's going to call them a faggot. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to be awful to them. Did you do like y'all want to have Jocelyn on the show, but she's terrified to go on any platform because somebody yes, asked because her if she one, cut her dick off yet yeah in a a live broadcasted radio show last year but and we can like, say who it was it was Howler and hill it was the Howler and hill show i don't even and, know who that is well he's um i've listened to him for many many years um he's just a news a, a news guy that has guests on. He used to have a show on WBIR, and that was atrocious because that was not what she was there for. No, yeah, that was extremely ill mannered and. But that not, happens all the yeah. time. That's the thing. But Jocelyn actually said something about it out mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and then she got a bunch of backlash. She got a over bunch it. of. That's why we don't talk about these things that are going on because okay. it's like. So let me suggest this self defense. Are you or are you going to be proficient in self-defense? Am because, I proficient in self-defense? Yeah, yeah. Are you, um, in case something physical was to happen to you, are you able to defend yourself? I think every black person should own a weapon. Yes. It's the <laughs> Everybody should own a weapon, actually. Um, you can put these people down. You can put these people away. Well, what sucks is if they're dealing with uh, people in the community that have power, like in general in power, if cops are being, you know, uh, extremely difficult with the LGBTQ community, um, uh, you know. Do you think self-defense would help? I, I I don't know. I'm not a violent yeah. person. I couldn't imagine. Well, that's putting, why. Yeah. I mean, that's, but, I think the bulk of what you're like, that's a hard thing because a lot of us are forced to learn how to defend ourselves, even if we really don't know. Like, yes, do I think I could defend myself? Yes. I'm a big girl. I could throw somebody around, but 
am I equipped to do so? No. Do I want to know? Do is that something that I would like to learn? No, I hate that I would have to teach myself that or to carry a weapon because I'm I'm terrified of guns. I hate them. I know how to shoot one. I've been properly trained on them. I'm still terrified of them. I I don't like them. I don't like the sound they make. They, I agree with you. High but anxiety. if you were put in a situation where it was you or them, you would be able to handle yourself and take care of yourself if you have a weapon. I know you don't want to do that because it, of your passive nature and your empath nature and you don't want to hurt somebody. But if somebody's coming for you, if somebody's coming for me, you better fucking believe I'm going to win. Mm. And... I've been just as marginalized as anybody else out there, but I have also developed a really tough skin. And if somebody outs me about my kink or tries to shame me about my kink lifestyle. What about your body yeah. size? Yeah. Of, you know, my midsize body. Cause I'm not really fat, but I'm not really skinny. You know, that's a thing too. It, I just it, think that there's like, I just, I have a hard time personally and I think a lot of people in the community do in the queer community is because a lot of people think that because some things have changed like it's changed but at the heart of it it hasn't and like we still have a huge fight ahead of us and like what we need to see is like we need allies showing up because when it's just gay people and queer people and trans people screaming like hey 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 listen to us it doesn't do anything until the other people are like, we're okay with it. Like, you know, um, it, it makes a world of difference when people who are not gay speak up. And then it, it allows that. That's sad, though, that that has to happen. Because I, I feel like you should be able to stand on your own merit and well, get, yeah, in a and perfect change world. things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's not how our society well, is. I mean, we, we see can. That. This is the tightrope that we. I, we are on as a straight person, um, especially in today's climate. There is so much virtue signaling until you're no longer a blurb or whatever. And then because there has not been a lot of queer spaces or um, places for people to feel comfortable, uh, I'm very much into all inclusivity very very big on inclusivity and uh that's why the comedy show is important to me because i um being at knox pride uh because it's i want to showcase lgbtq comedians and their allies where they can see hey this person in florida uh from florida is you know they might be straight or you know uh but they're, they work behind the scenes helping elevate queer voices, putting on festivals, doing things like that, different uh, to showcase them. But I didn't realize that there was a need. Like you said, a lot of times we're told to sit down and shut up. I mean, you we're don't told need to speak our about point that you don't... isn't valid or uh, just it becomes like, oh, no, you need to be quiet because you've had your time. Now it's our time. Yeah, to you're speak. you've yeah. always been I think any, privileged in this area. Everybody can feel that way about something. I mean, but there are certain instances where, yeah, like you have to like if you're like coming to a march and, and you take it in your own hands 
to do what you want to do and not listen to the person who's leading the march, then yes, you need to sit down and listen because you're hurting a cause instead of helping it. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times what happens, especially in activism, is we do tend, we're like, we're here, tell us what to do. And then when it's like, we just need you here. But what we do need is people actively talking about what is actually happening that who who are not in the community. Because we all, everybody in our community knows about all of this. We've been talking about it for weeks. We've been watching it happen. We've been watching it unfold. We've been watching our rights being questioned again and like thinking about like what that looks like for those kids and where the, if mm-hmm. there was hope it's now darkened again. And especially in the South, like, I mean, it, it's still, it's not okay to be gay in the South. Like no matter how much of a community and how much of a bubble we live in. And I even put myself in that bubble sometimes where I'm like, I have surrounded myself with, like-minded people who are accepting Mm -hmm. but there and there are certain times when even my straight ally friends say things that I'm like that is so not okay for you to say to me and you don't understand how like hard that is or like when some of my straight friends get mad because I try to explain why queer people would like the few queer spaces they have to stay queer and it's not because we don't believe in equality and we don't believe in inclusivity it's because we don't get to have every space possible and we have these few um, spaces that we do have that are special because we don't have to think about anything other than being ourselves in those spaces. I mean, I have been uh, groped by a man at the edge before a straight man who was in the edge grabbed my vagina one night while I was bent over taking photos at a show. I should never have to feel that way in a queer space you shouldn't feel that way in any no, space but any especially space. in a queer space like yeah. i should never I, be agreed violated agree. like in that space and then when i have to have that conversation because it's not that we don't want the spaces to be inclusive it's just that it has to like how do we know and that's like a lot of the work that goes into it is people can say they're allies all day but how do we know you're an actual ally until you prove to us that you're an ally you know And, like, nobody wants that, but, like, we've been, you know, misled and tricked before. People, you know, there are companies who slap rainbows on their company logo for the month of June, and then they're donating to these hateful bills the rest of the year, and people are like, oh, but they did this. But they don't, they're, they're like, you know, it's, it's exhausting. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it is, like, I do, every time I go to the Pride Center, And I think about living my life openly as I do and being that I was very closeted and self-hating for so long because I was terrified of coming out. And I think about that every day because when I go into those spaces that are, they, they say queer on the door, basically, you know, I have to think about somebody could get mad that day and come in and then that's it. And, or I have to like think about those moments that happen in places all the time because you know, queer people share that news with each other. Do you know, as a straight person, I think of those things as well yeah. when I'm at the Pride Center. No, I'm, I, I, I don't mean that. Like, I don't want because, it to be mean, but I, I'm glad. Yeah. In a way that you feel that fear so that like just slightly enough to understand how hard like that is for us yeah. to like actually put in a Pride Center in the South, like in Knoxville. It's like 
it's terrifying some days where it's just like, oh man. And like, but I want it to be better. And so in order for that to happen, I have to show up and I have to speak out. But it doesn't mean that I don't get called a faggot and I don't get talked to by men like my partner is a piece of meat and like, or like sexualizing women with me or they want to, oh, you're a lesbian. Let's I was going to say and- earlier, the reason you never saw a lot of real representation uh, for lesbians <clears throat> growing up is because it was acceptable as long as it was sexualized by men. You oh, know? yeah, I've had that conversation like, still to this day where men are like, I'm okay oh, with lesbians, but I'm not okay with gay men. Yeah. And I'm like, that is not okay. So Correct. basically, you're, you know, like, okay with it if you can sexualize it, but not if you can't. So that's not okay. Man, we didn't get to talk about half of what I wanted to talk about today. Oh. So you're going to have to come back. Uh, where can people find you and find your... Uh, photography find your media of uh, somebody if a business needs some social media help and uh, you can offer a service do you offer that service what social media help yeah yeah okay yeah uh, it's at all snap media on instagram i'm working on my website um or yeah i have my phone numbers everywhere <laughs> don't give out your phone number <laughs> on the podcast no i mean it's on everything so it's my business number but We'll link um, all of her stuff in the description. Yes. Yeah. All yes, we will. Airs. Where can they find you, Gail? Everywhere. Gab and Gail time. Gab and Gail time. Gab and Gail time. Look for me and follow my uh, Gail Grantham comedy page and our Gab and Girl time page and uh, follow me on Instagram. What I would like is I would like 60 more followers or 40 more followers between now and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, now I would like that's it, a good goal. I would like them actually between Friday. I'd like a thousand Instagram followers by my birthday. But I haven't. What said, are you gonna do? I have not because will I, you do I something for those followers? That's not. I don't know. You know, I they twirled just my titties the, when I got a thousand followers. Did you? I, I did. remember that. Yeah. Nice. Have yeah, you that's had fun not today? me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always has great it been better have. than therapy? Yeah. I feel like we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, out of this and it's really better than therapy but it it's you know well you didn't have to pay for it yeah that's that's true (laughs) (laughs) no i'm excited you know i'm very excited that i got to talk to you and yeah i I mean it's important to have challenging conversations conversations. yeah i mean it's (laughs) it it um i'm always down to have a passionate conversation when there's mutual respect for one another yes but sometimes it's gonna get slightly heated and i wish more people that's okay well that's what i'm saying i wish more people stuck it through those conversations because you can have those conversations with each other and be heated but also learn from each other in those moments definitely well thank you yeah thank you for having me and i am bratty von beaverhausen on instagram and bruce tonsils on fet and tiktok come see my tiktoks go see uh taryn's tiktoks too at all snap no <laughs> don't don't then don't. no tiktok's not for anybody we know my tiktok <laughs> only is if for you me. have no idea who we are should you be right? on our my TikTok TikTok is totally for me i'll go back and watch my me. videos yeah. and be like i'm one funny it's actually person. more for me to continuing growing my marketing skills because yes. i am an older millennial and tiktok and twitter and all of the older platforms make no sense to me but it's where the world's going so i have to stay relevant it is yeah you do you can do it i can do it if i can do it yeah 
I am officially almost crone age. Are you guys saying this? What do I sing? Oh, honey, it's the same as the first. Same as the The first. first. Same as the intro. Okay, I'll try. This is a song that never. No, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, it's. As yeah, always, baby. we thank our listeners. We do love you. We do. So and uh, Gail was telling me, I don't look at the statistics or anything, but she's telling me that we had 400 followers, more followers since January. Oh, We're wow. so and excited. And that's us being consistent. Consistency. Mm-hmm. With social media that I hate to do. But, but I do you've it been anyway. doing it. I'm I so have happy you've been, been rocking it. Finding my funny ass memes. Yeah, I keep getting in there. trouble for whatever I say. <laughs> whatever I say is wrong now, so it doesn't matter. I keep getting warnings. Yeah. Uh, I'm not wording things to the algorithms. Uh, you know. I'm just going to learn. Oh my gosh. You know what? <laughs> we thank you so much for listening to Gavin Girl Time. Gavin Girl Time. Gavin, girl time.